I mentioned this morning that um, after looking at the news headlines and stuff like that, it gets kind of discouraging and stuff, and that's sort of what I wanted to, to uh, look at tonight, not the news headlines. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Let's pray and ask God to bless all this time. Father, <clears throat> thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your hand being upon our hearts and lives and thank you for the world that we're in. And thank you for these days. Um, they are very different and uh, very, I guess, maybe troubling days. A lot of people that I talk to are expressed uh, thoughts about these are weird times and weird things and it's hard to imagine things that are going, going on and they are and some of us looking at these things from sheltered lives and uh, but there are a lot of people that are just pushing pushing and pushing for their own agendas and so it's a it's a time of, of maybe of discouragement or irritation or anxiety or stress. But we know for a fact that the throne of the universe is occupied and that you are not frantically trying to figure out what you're going to do next. And you're not wondering what is going to happen, that you are in charge. And I'm very, very thankful for that. I thank you for your mercy as displayed on behalf of the world and particularly as your mercy has been poured out for my life and for ours here at the church. Pray that tonight uh, that as we look at these uh, verses that we're looking at that you would speak. Uh, I do not really have a lot of wisdom in this passage. Uh, I have studied but there's always a lot more that can be said. But I do thank you for your word and the clarity of your word and for the writers uh, of these books. And we will be looking at Psalm 37, and that is authored by David, the human author. And I thank you for him. He's been through a lot. He was a very strong leader, strong man, a very faithful person. And he was faithful when nobody else was there to watch, nobody else was checking up on him. That's a that's a real good trait. Uh, he is a, referred to as the sweet psalmist, and he is the one who is very gifted in writing and uh, also in reflecting on the circumstances which he did in this psalm. So I ask your blessing upon this time, and that you would apply these things to our hearts, particularly help us to be obedient to you, and that we would honor you in these days. And I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Psalm 37, I'm just going to be looking at verses 1 through 9, and I've been thinking about this, the Psalm, verse 4 in particular, which is probably the, the landing spot where I will end up uh, eventually, is my favorite, one of my life verses, really. It's a very powerful verse, in my opinion, powerful verse. Um, it's not necessarily impressive at first until you begin to read it and study it and see what it has to say. But it finds itself in the middle of this psalm. And so I want to just read it through Psalm 37, beginning verse 9. And I'm going to read it and make comment as we go. So it'll be kind of a narrative form and not so much an outline form. 
David um, does what we all do. Um, we look around us, we kind of evaluate ourselves many times by looking at our neighbors and we uh, evaluate our neighbor's house or their car, compare ourselves with them, or we compare our jobs or our income or our education or our standard of living or the places we go for vacation or the places we go for church or we just compare ourselves a lot of times with other people and make different kinds of judgments and sometimes we may make judgments that God is is being too good to them or uh, not good enough or too good to us or whatever we can we make all kinds of evaluations and we do that um, and I guess that's just comes with the territory that what we're like we we uh, judge ourselves as Christians maybe whether we are as spiritual as somebody else or if we're uh, as talented as somebody else or as gifted as a singer as somebody else you know just all kinds of things we can compare ourselves with and David here in this passage here starts out by looking uh, around him and noticing how wicked and how evil people are. He starts out and says, do not fret. That idea of fret carries with the idea of don't be angry or don't be hot or don't burn. Uh, don't fret or because of evildoers, uh, evildoers referring to people that are wicked, people that do harm. And we see that. We see that. We see it on the news. There are all kinds of captions and flashbacks of people rioting in the city, burning, smashing up cars, police cars, and other things like that. And it really is hard for me not to get angry at that and to be uh, violent. We were, I was just noticing today on the news that I was um, not eating lunch because I had eaten at Olive Garden, but I was sitting down and uh, had the TV on for a few minutes. And they were doing a coverage on the shooting where this guy went into the school in Texas and killed about I guess, 19 kids and a couple of teachers, something like that. And they were saying that it was 70 minutes before the police went in. They had been in the building, but they didn't go down and storm the room where um, the shooter was for 70 minutes or so. And the kids were calling with cell phones and everything, 911, asking uh, for them to come in and rescue them. And uh, so it's easy to, and it's easy to do, it's easy to judge when you're outside and you can do that, pass judgment, and uh, you can shake your head and say, what, what they did it? And I, and I, the way it was presented, you know, you wonder why it was so long and I don't know that, but it is easy to look at that, to get upset. But, and that's what David was doing. He was looking around him and he saw that he was getting upset and angry and hot about these things. And then he also said, now don't be envious toward wrongdoers. And the word envious there, you could say, don't be jealous. Uh, it might be better to say, uh, don't, don't wonder why they're treated as bad as they are, they're treated as good as they are. Uh, and you kind of wish that the Lord would be a little bit easier on you and more difficult on them. Uh, don't be envious, don't be uh, angry, don't be provoked or angry toward evildoers. Evildoers particularly refers to people who are practicing things that are unjust. Uh, and we see a lot of injustice uh, legally today. We've seen that for, uh, we've really seen that in the public arena for, in my opinion, about the last 
Well, we've seen it for a long time, several years. We've seen a lot of injustice, a lot of uh, people in high places uh, in the government that are overlooking a lot of things that should not be overlooked. And uh, yet, if you happen to be a Supreme Court justice and you're against abortion, they're going to try to pin you to the wall for everything. There's a lot of injustice going on, a lot of crookedness going on. And so it's easy for me and probably easier for you to, to wonder why it is that the Lord allows that to go on like he does. Uh, but he goes with David Wright's own, and, and after making this observation, he begins to, to, um, to come back with his knowledge of the Lord and his knowledge of, of scripture. And he, he looks at these things, and then he sits back and he kind of evaluates them from what is from a biblical perspective. Uh, the text goes on to say David realizes they will not, uh, they will wither, these, these people, these unjust people, unjust people, they will wither, which has the idea of fading. They will wither quickly like the grass. Uh, and of course, there in that climate there, you have rain and the grass, grass flourishes and then you have, it stops raining and you get a dry season and it doesn't take long for it to turn brown and dry up. If you throw a match out, you'll have a big fire real quick. You see that a lot in California, out in that area. But um, he says that these, these people will wither quickly like the grass and they will fade. Fade has the idea of sinking down or drooping like a, or like a plant. Where it blows, we have, we sell plants and we give discounts on plants that have not been watered well and they're real droopy. They bring about that and they'll knock 50% off just like that. But I do that all the time. And, uh, but anyway, so he says that this, these kind of people are not going to prosper. They will not, they will fade. Uh, like vegetation. In other words, what he's saying is that, that this, this, this kind of behavior is not going to continue on. These people will not prosper. They will not, they will not be successful. Uh, it's a lesson. And he says, don't, don't let it get your temper up. But then David begins to turn. He says, now, uh, trust in the Lord and do good. That idea of trusting in the Lord means to have confidence. Uh, Wednesday night, we have our prayer meetings here. And uh, we talk about one of the things we talk about, pray for our country and things of this nature. And we reassure our hearts each time that God is sovereign and on the throne. And uh, that has become for me a very great comfort. And I know it has for all of you, because we, if, if you know, if you know that God is on the throne and that the things that we see happening are happening because he's doing that, he's behind the scenes doing that, it makes it a lot easier to take it, even if you're suffering, even if you are. Uh, I was sitting down here at Ingalls to get some gas and uh, I pulled up the one door. It's only all the little pumps there were pretty well taken, except for a couple. I pulled over to one and it had a red bag over it that it was out of water and I pulled up another that had a red bag over it. And I sat there and thought, now what happens if, if we, we run out of gas? And I was sitting there, my heart was beginning to pound, but then I realized uh, that God is on the throne and that nothing can happen like that. Even if I did run out of gas and if I ran out of money and ran out of food and everything, I could always call there. <laughs> no, but you know, see God is on the throne and nothing happens like that. And he, he's able to work all of these things out and he's on he's in charge. And so Wednesday night's a, a time of encouragement for me. And David just simply says, have confidence or be bold in the Lord. Um, and and uh, do good is what he's saying. Be bold in the Lord and you continue to do good, do what's right. Um, 
morally good, do what's right. He, he carries with it the idea of doing what is beneficial so that you help people, you do things that are good. In the middle of these difficult times, people are, are in need of help and you can help people like that. You can do good things for people. And so in the middle of this pressure like that, trust the Lord, put confidence in the Lord, be bold in the Lord and do good and, and dwell in the land. I like that. Um, don't panic, don't run away and hide. Uh, dwell, reside, it uses the word set up your tent and, and tabernacle because God has put us here. Uh, if you need firewood, you cut down a tree. God is not mad at you to cut down a tree. You can kill animals and eat, but you can dwell here. This is not the place that we can run away from. You can dwell in the land and uh, he goes on to say and cultivate or associate with the land and the people of the land and um, be a friend, um, if you will. He, he says, of the, the word there is faithful, uh, be steadfast, be firm in the land. Work with people, work with those, and cultivate friends with those around us and, and, and your work there. And don't just don't get lost in these worrisome ideas that are just floating around somewhere, but just be faithful where you are. Verse four, which is the verse that I have settled on, says delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and just if you wonder why that's so important to me is because i see that my heart craves a lot of things that it shouldn't crave that it's attracted to a lot of things like the world and the things of the world and, and you can spend money on a lot of things and do a lot of things that mean have not only really have nothing to do with spirituality but actually distract your attention from the world and i can see that i can see that in my heart <clears throat> and, and the Bible says to guard, to put a guard around the affections of your heart, because out of the heart flow the issues of life. And I think that's important. I think the, the condition of the heart is, is really a, a serious thing, and, and I want to be careful with my heart, and I know you want to be careful with your heart too, and be careful with what you, 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 uh, your affections are set on. Be, be careful of the affections uh, that you see, things you see on TV, be careful of the things that are entertainment. Now, my uh, interest in movies has changed recently. Well, I'd say within the last you know, 15 years or so, maybe 10 years, maybe five years. But, um, and it may do, maybe part of it has to do with age, but I I'd like to think that part of it has to do with just growth and the, the things that I like for entertainment, I've kind of slowed down on a little bit because there's a lot of stuff that, that I don't care for that I used to really like. And, uh, but I think the, the putting a guard over your heart and being careful of the things that, that you really pursue, the things that you like, the things that you want to indulge in, and, and just ask yourself, um, can, I, can my heart change? Can I have a heart that really, really loves the Lord and really wants to please Him? Because it doesn't all the time. A lot of times it wants to please me and, and wants to satisfy me. And, uh, and so I, and that's why, and that's why I time from time to time I ask you to pray for me and pray for my associates and pray for things that I do and pray for the folks that, and my use of funds at Lowe's and things like that. Because I can see that, that these things affect my heart and I want to change my heart. And this verse tells us here how we can kind of shepherd the affections of our heart. It doesn't, it's not a promise that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he's going to give me that new uh, Subaru is making an electric SUV now that they, that they 
put out like that. And they've been after me to take my car and trade it in and maybe for an electric SUV. And with the gas prices going up to six and seven dollars, that's an attractive offer. It really is. And uh, but I don't want to delight myself in the Lord so that he would say, okay, now I'm gonna give you the desires of your heart and you get that electric uh, SUV. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about if you delight yourself in the Lord, the affections of your heart are going to be different. He's going to give the affections that, that that kind of affection, that kind of pursuit generates in your life. And so when he says delight yourself in the Lord, he's, the, actually the, the idea is to be soft or to be delicate or to be dainty uh, with the Lord. It's really a hard word in a way to describe. When you delight in something, you uh, pursue time uh, with it. Um, I don't know how to use an illustration. I, I don't want to get carried away too much, but there are a lot of things that you can delight in. And when you delight in something, you uh, invest time in it, you pursue it, you um, maybe study it, uh, you like to research it. And uh, so, and I, do, I like to do that with the Lord. I like to think about the Lord, about his greatness, his majesty, his sovereignty. I like to think about him. Uh, I was thinking today about the term Yahweh, which is used here. It's the, the word that we translate a lot of times, Jehovah, but it's the word Yahweh. And uh, the way that, the, the uh, way that that Hebrew name comes about is made up of four consonants out of the Hebrew alphabet. It's the consonant of Y-H-W-H. And you know that consonants don't give much sound. You need the vowels. When you have a vowel, you have vowels and names and it adds the, the sound so you can pronounce the word. Consonants don't. And so the, the name Yahweh was the Hebrew letter Yod, Ke, Va, and Ha. And those you get those together and it, it's hard to get a word out of that. It's hard to pronounce it. And uh, what they did is they try to pronounce it, put them together, and you know, put a Yahweh in it so that it sounds like, but it's really not a pronounceable name. And I was looking at that. I saw that in the Greek language, when they translate it, they try to translate it, I am. In the Hebrew, it's he is. And what he's doing is the Lord, when Moses was was before the children was before the Lord and was and, and he was telling the Lord they're going to want to know what your name is. The Lord was just simply saying, of everything that exists, I am sufficient. There's nothing else. I am. That's it. I am. And uh, <clears throat> I need. I don't need to explain my. And one of the things that's interesting in the the, the uh, scriptures is the greater. Is always the one that asks the lesser what their name is and uh, what is your name and so on and so forth. And if you if you reverse that, like Jacob did with the Lord, what is your name? Uh, they, they sometimes get some rebuke or whatever. And in this case, when they were saying, Lord, what is your name? He just says, Tell him I am. <clears throat> this is me. And that's all you need to know. Of everything that exists, nothing exists outside of me. I am the only, and that's actually one of the names, one of the meanings of the name is. Uh, he is the the uh, creator of everything. It's, it's a kind of an interesting play on words, but he is the source of everything. Well, I was just looking at that. It's interesting to me. I'm just sharing that. Just interesting to me to see these these things and look at them in scripture. 
and then to think about the Lord, to think about his greatness, <clears throat> to think about the fact that he goes back forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and we don't have any conception that I know of what's existing, what he has done outside of that. Uh, I know that there are millions and millions of angels and millions and millions of creatures, and I know that that um, it will take us eternity to really understand him, to try to comprehend him. We, we're just finite creatures. And so it's it's interesting to try to think about these things, to think about his goodness, that he is so good, his mercy, his grace, um, and how he tolerates. Uh, I've tried so hard to manipulate him at times to get what I want from him, to, to, to do some, without realizing it, to do some good things, thinking that that's going to make him happy and uh, that I can get my way. When I realize all of a sudden that that's trying to manipulate the Lord, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows everything. He knows it all. <clears throat> he knows my self-centered motives, even when I'm talking to you now. And he knows what you're thinking, and he knows your plans and stuff, and and he knows uh, what you're. And and we do that. We we pick and choose what we want to listen to and stuff. He knows all of those things, and so we can manipulate him. And so I try to delight myself, try to understand what he is like and who he is and stuff. And uh, he will give us uh, the request, the petitions. That's what the idea is the desires of the heart, which is the seat of our emotions and appetites, he will reformulate that, he will restructure that so that it is the kind of heart that pleases him, that, that honors him. And I want that. I really want that. I want that <clears throat> because there's, there's just a lot of things in my life that things that really distract my attention. And I don't want that. And I, they, uh, and it's all, yeah, I know we're in the world, and, and the Bible tells us be in the world, but not of the world. And I just don't want to be in the world. You see what I'm saying? It's just, it's really, really important. So, this verse is to me a key to try to, to, try to delight, pursue, seek, investigate, um, to um, mull over in my mind the things that I know about him, the scriptures, meditate may be a good word, to meditate on him. And, and when I'm alone, and that's one of the blessings, if you can call it a blessing of being home alone, is that I can talk about these things out loud, just like I'm talking now. If I had a wife there that, that I was talking about, this, she would, she, what do you say, honey? And I said, nothing, I'm talking to the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, but, but when you're there alone, you can do that. The cats are used to it. They don't really pay attention to it now. And, and uh, so, but I can do that. And I enjoy doing that. I enjoy going over these things and trying to, to um, create more thoughts and ideas from the scripture about the Lord, the greatness of him, and to thank him for who he is and what he's done. Because he's so good. He is just so good. And he's so good to me. He's, he's uh, you talking about my foot and stuff like that. And feel sorry for me about that. But... I'm very, very thankful for his, my knees don't bother me. Uh, sometimes I'm a little unstable on them, but it's not a bad thing. And my foot feels better tonight. So that's a good thing. And I'm just happy about that. And he's good, like with Debbie and her eyes and stuff like that. Uh, he's just, he's, he's really, really good to us. He treats us so much better than we deserve. So we want to delight in him. And that's what he says, delight yourself in the Lord. Uh, and, and the way that's worded, by the way, they, the English translation of that text there says, delight yourself in the Lord. The word yourself is not in the text. It's actually delight in the Lord. But it does mean, does have the idea in that text of, of uh, setting yourself on display and watching your life 
respond to the Lord as you delight in him. It's like, uh, you're, it's not like an out-of-body experience, but it's like you delight in the Lord and then watch what he does in your heart kind of thing. To, to notice how he's formulating and creating your life and creating thirst in your life. I, I really, I was looking at Rick, I was looking and appreciate Rick's response to his cancer and uh, just notice how much he was impressed with what God was doing in his life there. And you kind of almost, I mean, you're in the middle of it, but you kind of sit back and watch what he's doing in your life, almost as if you're noticing it uh, from the outside, even though you're on the inside. And uh, so he, he's just really good to us. And he gives us a lot of knowledge. That's one of the things that we understand what God is like. And we can see these things. We can see them in light of his revelation and truth. He goes on to say, verse 6, commit your way to the Lord. That idea of commit uh, carries the idea, and this is in the middle of this day of stress and stuff, commit your way, has the idea of rolling. Uh, the word way, you could translate your journey to the Lord. So he's, he's actually saying you could, in the middle of this, you can kind of roll your journey, your pathway over to the Lord, the Yahweh, and trust also in him so that you can take this this path, the struggles, like the job, for example, which is is a we talk about all you want to, but it is a burden, it is a worry, it is a concern, it is a stress. I know that. I know that I wouldn't be sleeping good at night with that on my shoulders and that thing. I would be wanting to find out. And I know Rick's even worse than I am, so I know that that would be a, a difficult course for him. But you can, he says, you can roll that. Well, that's true. You can roll. You can roll that your pathway, your journey over onto the Lord, and trust also in Him, and He will do it. Or the word "accomplish" would be fit. With it. He will accomplish it. He will do these things. He will undertake these things, because He is your Savior and He's your Shepherd and He's good. He does that. He's in charge. David saw that. David said He will do that, and David was writing on the inspiration. He will bring forth bring forth or bring out if you will our righteousness that righteousness relates to justice and our rightness he will bring forth our rightness our justice and in david writes that he was king and people were accusing him of being an unjust king and so he said no he's going to bring he's going to vindicate you bring out your justice as the light that'd be the light of day uh, he's going to bring that out he's going to rectify that publicly so everybody can see and your judgment um or your justice or your uh, judgment, he's going to bring it out as the noonday. In other words, these, these decisions, what God is doing in your life, uh, it needs to be done, and things that, that concern you, that you see that are a problem, he's going to rectify those in public, and it'll happen, and you'll be then be able to give a testimony. Remember back when we had this problem with the job and stuff, I can't forget it and stuff, but now look at where I am and what he's doing, and I've got these kids, and I've got this house, and I've got this car, and, you know, the things like that. He's done these things. And he's, and even if you didn't have a new house or a new car, stuff like that, you've got your family, you've got the things, and you've got the things that he's doing, and he's good. He's good. Everything he does is good. And even when it seems to be tragic, it comes from his hand, and he does good. So a uh, child went over uh, Romans 8.28 the other day, which was a very good verse, and I really appreciate him. But Romans 8.28, if you read it carefully, it starts out, uh, and he doesn't, doesn't say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and call to his purpose. It doesn't say that. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good so that he is behind it. And even 
when tragedies happen or when uh, illness strikes or other things, God is behind it. And it's not just he watches it, not just that he knows it's going on, but he causes it. He's the causer, he's the mover, he's the worker. Nothing is left to chance with the Lord. He's in charge. And that's a good thing. And so here is this passage here that David is saying, you can roll your way on the Lord and trust in him. Uh, and he will bring these things to pass like the night, like the noonday. He says also, this is good, verse 7, rest in the Lord. That's a hard one for me. To rest in the Lord. I, it, it, I, um, I spend a lot of time praying when I'm by myself, when I'm driving, pray for people, pray for things that are that I want. And uh, I have I have prayed more, I guess, in the last two or three years than I probably prayed in my lifetime, insofar as praying earnestly about things as I'm driving around and traveling and things like that. He says, rest. That idea of rest means to be still. It even means to be silent. Um, it could even mean uh, to be still and in, 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 uh, in the Lord and to wait patiently, um, almost wringing your hands, even if you writhe, writhe uh, and wait for him, uh, like you're sitting in a, a waiting room in a hospital and you're, you're spouse is in their rating emergency surgery and they're trying to get something taken care of so that she will die or he will not die or whatever you see and you're there waiting for this surgery and just anxiously waiting and praying and all of you are gathering around praying that's the kind of thing it says wait patiently for the lord be patient with him um his schedule remember we was peter was studying john 9 he's doing by the way he's doing a good job man i really appreciate his teaching and but in John nine, we were, I mean John eleven, we're talking about uh, Jesus uh, and Lazarus, and they, they're really in a hurry for Jesus to come and stuff like that. And Jesus is perfectly aware of the schedule, and he he's perfectly able. He could speak and not even have to go there to Bethany, and Lazarus would be healed. But he's not. He's got a schedule. He's got a time, and he's in charge of that. And all of these things, as bad as they seem, and as troublesome as they are it's not our agenda that's the ultimate issue it's his agenda and his purpose and his plan and uh, he's going to um because he is in charge and because he loves Lazarus and because he has an agenda that he's going to fulfill and the work he's going to fulfill and a mission he's out to take care of uh which trumps all of our little issues he's going to work it out perfectly to fulfill his goal, his purpose, and his way, and his time. And that does mean uh, raising Lazarus from the, from the dead after four days. And he, he does know that, and he knows it's hard, and he doesn't do anything to make it easier for the girls and others there. He lets them go through this writhing and wringing of their hands and worrying about that. But then he steps in and raises them from the dead. And then now they have this whole picture that they can look back on and share with others and we can read it and we can learn from their pain and their suffering and their struggle and learn to, to wait patiently on the sword be still um he goes on to say about talking about fretting he mentions it again in verse middle of verse seven do not fret or be angry or be hot because of the one who prospers or makes progress or succeeds in his journey um 
don't don't get up, don't lose cool about that. And you see, I I I run into that a lot. I have a a good friend um, who I who I have who's um, that Lowe's, who's a very very wealthy kid. He's a nice looking kid. He's young, um, and uh, but he's messed up. His, his life is messed up, and uh, he's he uh, his he's doing a lot of nice of envious things like that. I pray for him and I pray for him all the time because I know that the things that he's doing, while they are very impressive and uh, they look, uh, I've got pictures of some of the things that, that he's been doing and they're very, very attractive and just, it's, it's a different world. It's a world that's that's different from anything that I've ever experienced. And um, it's, um, it's it's just very interesting that, that way. and. Uh, I pray for him because he doesn't find fulfillment in that and he'll continue to pursue and go in the wrong direction. The people that have everything they need don't need the Lord. They don't come to the Lord. They just don't do it. And that's, a, that's a very interesting thing. So it's true. But anyway, so it says, don't, be, don't fret, don't be hot, don't be angry because of the one who prospers. And I can, I can say this, I'm really not jealous of his anger. I mean, of his prosperity. I mean, it's nice to have money. It's nice to, to be able to do anything you want to do, go any place in the world you want to go, and stuff like that. And uh, we are friends, by the way. He's he's uh, he, he's taken an interest in me. Every time he comes to the store, he'll come down there. He'll talk for a while. And uh, a lot of times we'll have other customers. He'll stand off the side and we'll go through a customer too. And then I get quiet. He'll come up and go finish conversation and stuff like that. And uh, that's a that's a compliment to me because I know he likes to talk. He enjoys my friendship and stuff, and we talk about different things. And uh, but he needs some more, he really, and he knows that. I've told him that he needs some more. So um, you pray. I'm not gonna give you his name, but I I, I give it to you in private. If you come up later and ask me. Anyway, just we we can we can uh, we don't want to to um, be jealous of these people. We don't want to fret because of the one who prospers or because of their success whatever in the journey um he goes on to say because the man carries uh, out wicked schemes don't don't be jealous of him or envy him because he carries out wicked schemes and he still prospers uh wicked devices but cease uh from anger that is to sink or slack down or relax from anger um and and uh actually that word anger has to do with nose flaring so that you, your nose flares with anger. It says, don't be angry like that. Forsake a desert or, or, or forsake that kind of life and that kind of wrath, that hot displeasure. Uh, don't burn, don't fret, don't be angry. That leads only to harm, to evildoing and to wickedness. Don't be angry at people. Don't let that emotion bother you. Evildoers, that is the wicked, those that harm will be cut off. But those who wait for or look for the Lord, the Yahweh, will inherit uh, or take possession, if you will, of the land. And so here's that psalm. <clears throat> it's a simple psalm. And the part that I really relate to is verse 4. But it's a good psalm because we live in times when we're surrounded by this kind of distraction, things that are a concern, that do make you angry. They do me. I, I watch the news and it, I don't like it at all. I don't like what I see bothers me. I've had... I guess, I don't know, I've had 
I don't have it. Maybe 20 or 30 people independently as we're talking, and I don't bring up the subject of news, but have people independently talking different things. Well, they've all said, I don't watch the news anymore because it's so depressing. It's so depressing. It is. And it's so public. There's a lot of injustice, a lot of violence, and it's so public. It's as, it's as if uh, the people that have the ability to to hold law and order to close the shop and go home and they're not concerned about anything. It's just going on like crazy. We know that it's not that way. We know the Lord is in charge. He's, he, he's overthrown and he may, never makes mistakes. And we know, as we've talked about, that our country is under judgment and uh, that he is going to, um, that he is working in the hearts of the people to bring about righteousness. And we're going to probably end up unless the nation repents, uh, and I don't know, John MacArthur uh, says he thinks it's too late. In fact, he, uh, he read the verses out of Isaiah where um, Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and uh, the robe of his temple was filling the train, the train of his temple was filling the temple. And uh, the Lord, Isaiah said, woe was me for I'm undone, I'm a man of unclean lips, I live among the people of unclean lips. And uh, the Lord, Put the burning coal, the one of the ancients put the coal on his lips and say, Your lips have been sealed and cleansed. I want you to go and preach. And uh, he said, Well, shall I preach? And he says, You go out and tell them that it's too late. He said, Their, their eyes, do you preach, but their eyes are closed, their ears are closed, they're not going to hear. You preach, but it's too late. It's too late. And they've listened and now they won't listen. And those words are applied over and over and over again to the Jews during the time of Jesus where he, he said, you have eyes to see, but you can't see. You have ears there, but you can't hear. Your heart is closed. And basically he's saying it's too late for you. It's too late for you. There is a line, there is a path. Uh, this nation has, has had great blessing from the Lord. And so it may be that this nation has crossed over a line and is now going to come under judgment. And I've often thought with our, with our country being as strong as it is and our military second to none in the world, that nobody can defeat us but we are being defeated by a little bacteria that is closing down everything, games, businesses, restaurants, everything. And uh, it's even affecting the elections and everything like that. God is in charge, he's on the throne and nobody can stop him. He's free to do what he wants to do. And so, but we can wait on the Lord and we can trust him because it takes actual land and to cultivate a walk with him, which is, which is what I want all my life to, to focus on him. So, let me uh, just close this in prayer.